All right, welcome in to another edition of West of Everest. OU dominates Nebraska 49-14 to on Saturday. Uh, coming at you uh, around 12.30 on Sunday afternoon. I got back into Oklahoma City a couple of hours ago. Uh, flew in directly from Lincoln. Uh, everything good. I'll, uh, you know, I got to say, Grant, as I welcome in Grant Benson, as always, uh, the rest of that day, the rest of Saturday went uh, very well whenever Oklahoma plays that well and you're on the road. I mean, I thought OU would play well, and I thought OU would win the game, uh, but certainly there's a chance that the Sooners do lose, and anytime they're on the road, uh, it, it makes the rest of that road trip even worse, obviously, especially because I had I stayed over the night in Lincoln, flew back today. I uh, haven't had a chance to rewatch any of the game. I just got back into town. I wanted to bang out this podcast with you before hitting back to work uh, for the rest of the day, but... Uh, Great trip. Uh, we're going to do three-word reviews here re- relatively shortly. Uh, I haven't workshopped my three-word review, but if I had to go with it right now, I'd say my three-word review of OU's win over Nebraska is not many complaints. Grant, what's going on? Nothing much. Very, very happy with how the game turned out yesterday, obviously. I, I, I really don't really don't have a lot of complaints. I kind of have a, I, I have a special rule here is that you, you don't really complain when you win by five touchdowns on the road against a Power 5 team. Um, and I, I, you know, and especially in a game that you were up 49 to seven with like three minutes to go. So, uh, I ha- just like slap hands all around, loved the game. Absolutely wonderful game. Lee, I rewatching it was borderline erotic. What are you, Brett Bielema? I think that's a Bielema reference, right? It's just, I mean, yeah, it's, but it's, but it's true. It's great. I, so I watched the game yesterday in a, in a kind of a small town bar in rural Minnesota. I was, I was there for a friend's wedding, um, but I was able to see the entire game at a bar before the wedding, and so I, I didn't have a great view of everything, and there was no sound on the TV. But you know, coming back, you know, home last night and rewatching the game or the first half of the game, and then and then the basically just the third quarter this morning, so much fun! What a great game! Absolutely, just after the game, you know, after uh, after they went five plays and out the first drive, and then Nebraska took the seven to nothing lead. That game just ceased to be competitive after that, and it was you just loved to see it. A lot of places we could start. I, I just popped into my mind since you mentioned. Um, I'm not even sure what you just said. I, I totally. I, I stopped listening. Who cares? I wasn't even listening to you. I, I I do want to take advantage of the fact that I was there at the game and you know, first time in Lincoln, Nebraska. First time at Memorial Stadium there, and it was cool. I big stadium, ninety thousand people. Uh, I definitely got loud there in the first quarter. Uh, I get it. I understand it. I understand. Uh, the rivalry, I you know, it's. I'm happy to say that I got a chance to go there, especially for OU Nebraska. So, how would you uh, OU, how would you say it uh, it compares to like some of the the biggest places you've been? Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think maybe I'm biased because Nebraska's bad and it was a non-competitive game. But I don't know. And also, it was 11 a.m. kick, which there's not as much juice for 11 a.m. kicks. I still think. Yeah, obviously you go. I mean, the Cotton Bowl, OU Texas is at the top. It's it's not going to be beaten. But as far as like an actual, you know, home or away site, uh, Death Valley, LSU, is still probably top of my list. Uh, it's that place was cool. I just the whole atmosphere being in in Baton Rouge, yeah, at night. That I I, I got it, you know. And again, I I think I'm a little biased because, or maybe not biased, but maybe not the full feel of it because Nebraska is a bad football team and. It just it, it was kind of like yeah this is cool but also like, all right another stadium check it off 
And I'm, you know, I'm somebody that I certainly will admit that I'm jaded in a lot of ways because I've been doing this for a long time. And so a lot of people out there that probably went to the game maybe the first time would probably have different opinions than me. And so that's just kind of my that's the way I'm wired. And whether that's good or bad, I don't know or indifferent. But uh, I'd say it was, it was cool. I'm glad I did it. But I, I, I wouldn't say it was anything, you know, better than or more special than. I don't know, like Death Valley, for example. Uh, I mean, definitely better. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but it was certainly better, Grant, than we went to uh, you know Waco the first time back in 2008 and watched oh, Baylor bet. and OU play. I bet, for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, what I was going to say, though, is that being there, what really clicked for me, the best part, honestly, I mean, obviously the game was great. OU played well. That was awesome. The best part, though, I will say that felt unique and I was happy I was there and I, I felt privileged to be in the spot I was was right before the game began and OU was waiting to come out onto the field I was right down there standing with my camera shooting the guys waiting to come out and Brent Venables is right in front and you may have seen some videos I know I think Eddie has posted on Sooner Scoop and yep, I think I maybe Dylan it. Buckingham posted it and I mean I, I have my own version too that I just you know I just don't do Twitter and social as much as those guys do uh you know kudos to them but being down there and kind of shooting that and seeing Venables and Dylan Gabriel and, and you know, the guys who's with and kind of how he was talking to him and the crowd revved up and kind of hearing everything that felt really cool. Like I felt like, like I said a moment ago, I felt very privileged to be down there right next to all of them to see that. I know I understand a lot of people don't get the chance to be there. And so I will say that I appreciate that and watching them getting excited. It just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about a feeling. When I saw them and I saw how you know, prepared and uh, the look in Brent Venables' eyes, I kind of thought, all right, I'm feeling pretty good about this game. But you know what? That was probably a dumb feeling considering five minutes later, OU was down 7 nothing. Grant. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, you're not, I mean, I, I, I saw those videos too. And yeah, I think the best way to describe it is that the players just look locked in, totally locked in. Um, and, and, and Brent Venables does as well. And so that was cool. But yeah, I mean, you don't have to be you know, being locked in also means that you're locked in the entire game. And so this is why, you know, Brent Venables talked about it after the game, controlling the volume, controlling the noise. And this team did that really, really well. This game started about as poorly as it possibly could. I mean, you could you could imagine worse, you know, like a pick six or something. But yeah, OU quickly had to punt on their first possession. And then Nebraska went down, the, I mean, sliced through their defense like butter on the first drive, just chunk play after chunk, uh, chunk play. And the way that OU responded after that, that's not really something that we've seen from an OU team, I feel like, in a long time, especially in an environment like that, going against an offense that is capable of scoring points, uh, regardless of how you know dysfunctional their team has been this year. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy with the way they played, with the way they responded. And I don't know, do you want to kind of start just going like beat, beat for beat here? Like, I, I don't even really think that we need to talk about the opening defensive drive that much that was clearly a scripted drive for Nebraska and once they got away from their script they really had no chance whatsoever um and so I I, I kind of think let's we, we should just go to what the you know the first really big play of the game which was Dylan Gabriel honestly just making a really really great individual play it was a great play call on third and seven and then you know Nebraska's defense is slow as hell uh but you know Dylan great he made a great play and so this is kind of what we're talking about. You know, I, I want to start with Dylan Gabriel. I feel like um, a lot of the limitations that I've talked about, I, they, they were still apparent in this game. But 
he is still going to need to rise above those limitations and do what he can do to put the team in a good position to win. Be, you know, be a field general, you know, in, in a sense of the word. And he did that almost perfectly in this game. Of course, there are some throws that he missed and everything, but this is, this is the Dylan Gabriel that I think you want to see. I think this is him being him and operating at, at kind of peak Dylan Gabriel. He, he could have hit more throws, but I think this is about as good as, as you can get from Dylan Gabriel, especially in this environment. And to answer the question posed by our last episode's title, can Dylan Gabriel handle you know, the biggest stage of his career? The, the emphatic answer is yes, absolutely. His he, poise he was played. great. His poise was awesome. And I you know, love his disposition, and that obviously was useful for him today. Yesterday. Uh, just Yesterday, thank you. It doesn't you. matter, but no. I, I think I said the other day on the podcast, I said tomorrow whenever it was a couple days away. Who cares? Uh, so, yes, we, we have been critical of Dylan Gabriel, and I think it's, he deserves a lot of credit. I thought he played really well. Uh, again, I haven't rewatched the game. Uh, I, you know, we were texting back and forth during it whenever I, you know, I could text, obviously a giant stadium, but I was pleasantly surprised we were able to communicate a decent amount through the game. But you know, there were some throws he missed, but he did make some you know, he, he made more of them. He made more throws than he missed. And a lot of credit has to go to Jeff Levy because you referenced the long touchdown run. That was the call of the game, Grant. Third and seven, third and eight, quarterback draw. That's what it was. And after that play, everything was butter. Dylan Gabriel looked calm and cool and poised and comfortable. Before that snap, he didn't. He didn't look like that. He didn't look calm and cool and comfortable. He looked like he did a lot of the times in the first half against Kent State. And Jeff Lebby, uh, again, great call. Obviously, Nebraska keying in on the, th- on the pass, on the throw, third down. And Dylan Gabriel, he has some athleticism. He can move. We talked about it. You know, he's not Kyler Murray. He's not Jalen Hurts, but he can move. And Jeff Levy dialed up a perfect play call there to get Dylan Gabriel, obviously out, touchdown, icing on the cake. But from there on out, he was super, super comfortable, super into it. He ran the offense well. And I, I think that was the play call of the game because from there, it wasn't competitive. And what did OU do? They, 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 ran, out, they ran out 49 straight points. After the first touchdown drive for Nebraska. Completely buried them. Completely buried them from that point forward. And that, I mean, that's so great to see. How, how long have we just been begging as a fan base to say, step on their throat in this thing? And they, they did, man. This thing was, it was funny. I, I texted you, like, listening to Urban Meyer talk about the game at halftime. Just listening to his voice. And you could tell, he's just, he's basically saying, this game's over. This is done. This is not competitive, he said. And, um... <laughs> It was he said he said OU is loaded and you know that coming from Urban Meyer and him seeing it in person that's that's significant man that's awesome that's that's music to all of our ears. He and Bob uh, he and Stoops are buddies so you know maybe he was just trying to be nice to Bob. But, uh, he picked uh, no, he picked no, Nebraska no. to win in the pregame. He did and yeah oh, and he, gracious. he 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 came up in the booth in the second half because Gus Johnson was sick. And so Klatt needed some reinforcements with Brady Quinn and Urban Meyer. And the, even during halftime, he was saying, he's like, yeah, I'm an idiot for picking Nebraska. I feel like an <laughs> idiot, basically, after, after seeing this game play out. 49 points scored in the game. OU obviously could have scored a lot more if, if Brent Venables wanted to. Uh, that's the most scored ever by an OU team in Lincoln against Nebraska. <laughs> that's the most they've ever scored. Dude, it was, uh, yeah, it was 49 to 7 with like 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could have... Yeah, yeah, the classic, you know, hang half a hundred on him. They could have hung a hundred on him if they really wanted to. Obviously, it wasn't going to get to that point. Uh, kind of a random stat, doesn't matter, but just the way the season's going for uh, the way the season's going for Iowa Grant, 
Uh, that was the most points that Nebraska has allowed since 2017 in, in Lincoln at that stadium since they somehow gave up 56 to Iowa in 2017. That, the way Iowa plays right now, that's just it's, it's even, even more comical than it would otherwise be. And I think, I think Iowa had, a, uh, had that one guy, though, who's a, who's a backup in the NFL. But uh, C.J. Beathard, I think they had him then. In 2017, did they? Okay. Maybe. I think so. I, I don't know. I can't remember. Let's see. Uh, quarterback draw. I got some notes here. Yeah, hit on Dylan Gabriel. That's good. How about this? So let's keep talking about the offense. We'll move over to the defense. The defense played very, very well, aside from the first drive. Good to see Jaleel Farouk get going. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, a thing in the Jeff Levy's press conference earlier the earlier last week, this week. Yeah. And it's just, hey, the ball hadn't found him yet. Well, Oklahoma certainly seemed uh, to look to get the ball to him. And a uh, great throw by Gabriel on that touchdown pass in the first quarter. Really good throw. To Jaleel Farouk. Really, yeah, really good had, throw. He had, uh, I, I think it was five targets, maybe three grabs. Uh, had the touchdown catch. So uh, good to get Farouk uh, going. And on top of that, Marvin Mims, keep getting in the football. Uh, almost scored a touchdown, I guess, that that rule. I mean, he had the ball outside, the you know, out, out of bounds. He got his feet in, but it didn't. I mean, he, he close to a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, you got Mims getting touches, looking great. And then him returning punts. Marvin Mims returning punts this season is fantastic. Uh, so you can go anywhere you want on the receivers, Farouk, Mims, anybody else. Yeah, no, I, I, I really liked what I saw from Farouk. Obviously, getting, getting involved early on the touchdown pass. Uh, nice tight window that Gabriel uh, fit that in, and that hey, that's that's doing what he does well, right? We're talking about what are the things that Dylan Gabriel does well, and he's he's easily easily you know defined reads for him one on one coverage down the field. He's he executes pretty well on that. You saw it in that situation. You saw it later in the game with Theo Weiss as well. So, I yeah, I, Farouk looked great. I, I thought he looked good. There's he had one play particular on on the sideline where he caught kind of like an RPO hitch. Um, and then he he made a cut, and then he he stiff armed a guy, and he picked up about I think like twelve, thirteen yards and a first down. And he, on that play, he just like I kind of I I went and I I I rewound and I watched it over and over. And he just looked really smooth on that play. Uh, it just looked like a really easy athlete. And I don't know if we've ever we, we we've seen him kind of operate like that yet. Um, of course, you know Gabriel missed him on on what would have been like a sixty yard touchdown. Um, should have hit him there. He was he was open and he was gone if the ball hit him in the hands. Um, one other thing that I really liked, Lee, kind of, I, I believe this was the first drive of the third quarter. Uh, on a second on a second medium, they throw like a little kind of slant route to to Farouk that's wide open and it hits Farouk right in the chest and he drops it uh, to make it third and five, third and six. I can't really remember, but then they just go right back to him on the next play, exact same play. Gabriel puts it right back, right on the money, and, and and Farouk is able to catch it, and he just kind of squirts forward for the for, for the first down. And I love seeing stuff like that. That's awesome. You beat you beat the guy the first time around, but you just didn't complete the catch. You get the same coverage. You do it again. You just go right back to the guy, build his confidence. Uh, so that was good to see. I you know all around, I just I, I thought the offense looked way way cleaner. The play calling was was much better, much more creative. Uh, definitely makes me feel better going forward, you know, in the season, especially as it relates to Jeff Lebby and how he's calling plays. Another guy I didn't mention at all. Uh, Theo Weiss had a couple of grabs. How about the throw from Gabriel to Weiss on the touchdown? Awesome throw. Another great throw. Awesome throw. Uh, I that, mean, that's the one he just yeah. he put it on a line. He put it right there. So, hey, how about uh, how about our guy Braden Willis with a touchdown pass? Okay, so yeah, uh, 
that uh, interesting play, and you, you're talking a little bit ago about you know how long have we you know as you know watching OU games, how how long have we been you know wanting them to to just bury teams, and so when that play happened, I think that made it 28-7. I think the trick play, and my thought was you know like maybe you don't need to use that against Nebraska in this game, but but Grant was that Jeff Lebby and Brent Venables, or I mean probably Lebby saying you know what. We're going to go for the knockout punch right now. Who cares? We're going to go for the knockout punch and bury this this team. And, and I mean, not that – I mean, they probably didn't need that. But still, like, is that an example maybe of more of a killer instinct on offense that we haven't seen? And I, that's not fair, though, because Lincoln Riley is still probably the best offensive mind in, in football. But, I mean, they – I mean, yeah, like no, – How about away this? How about this? Here's, teams, a better, here's a better indication of it. They were up 35 to 7, 42 to 7, and they were hucking bombs with Gabriel down the field. Okay. That's that's, that's a much good, better yeah. indication of it. And not sitting on it yet, not trying to to run the clock out, not trying to take yes. the air out, out of the When it was 28 to 7, yet. when it was 28 to 7 after OU had stopped Nebraska in the red zone on fourth down, and OU OU went down to score to make it 35 to 7, Joel Klatt was saying it on the broadcast. He's like, "What I'm seeing right now is a defense that is completely on the ropes." And OU is just throwing haymakers, and that was when on you know they would run it on first down and they take shots and then another shot and then a and it was like he was they were right this he, they, he he kept saying he's like this is just an aggressive OU that we have not seen in a long time and he was right OU OU had Nebraska beaten and they were going for the kill shot and it was it was great to see I I would re, really recommend you go back and rewatch the broadcast Clatt and, and Gus Johnson are really good in the first half they do a really good job explaining. As, as two guys who have seen OU a lot over the last handful of years, explaining how they look different. And it's kind of fun to listen to. Okay, good, yeah. Uh, good explanation. Uh, but don't want to shortchange the trick play. Uh, credit to Braden Willis throwing the strike to Marcus Major. I don't have many thoughts on that play, aside from kind of what I threw out there a, a moment ago. Is like In my mind, that was kind of like, oh, they're going for the kill shot trick play here. But the way you broke that down, that, that seems to make a lot more sense given the fact that Oklahoma's offense has been fantastic for the most part ever, you know, since Lincoln Riley arrived. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on the trick play? I didn't, I didn't want to shortchange you on that. Oh, no. I mean, I just thought it was cool that that Braden Willis threw a touchdown pass. That's fun. (laughs) It's a tight end. (laughs) Dude's a tight end throwing a touchdown pass. Uh, There was was another thing that I I made a mental note when I was watching it this morning in the third, uh, first drive of the third quarter, Man, Gabriel makes a throw to Willis on an RPO that's like a 15-yard gain that, that, that was called back because of an illegal man downfield. And when I saw that, it, it, it disappointed me when it was called back. It, it, was, it was the right call, but it was just like that was a really good, um, that was a really good uh, uh, demonstration of, of the good Dylan Gabriel where he sees that like he he saw someone open over the middle of the field and he threw a ball on the line and hit on a line and hit Willis right in the numbers and I was just like ah yeah man if if Gabriel can just bottle that like that would be great you know it got called back but do, do you remember that at all while you when you're on the field uh, I remember the play getting like some play getting called back but I don't remember what happened on the play uh, so. okay yeah, maybe maybe you'll see it if you go back and rewatch. But yeah, he just sticks it right on Willis's numbers, and it sucks. I think I think Murray was was too far downfield, but it was like ah yeah. I mean that's the that's the stuff that Dylan Gabriel's been inconsistent on this year. But he hit it on that one, and it looked it looked really good. It was great. But another guy that we haven't mentioned yet that deserves all the credit in the world, and uh, you know maybe we get a chance to eat a little bit of crow. Eric Gray. I think you heard everybody talking some smack on him maybe after the first couple of weeks, and Eric Gray had his best game as an OU player. 
I mean, he was fantastic. A couple touchdowns, making people miss. I think he averaged over 10 yards per carry. I, from my On the field, th- through my camera lens, Eric Gray looked the best he's looked in an Oklahoma uniform, Grant. He looked awesome. He looked awesome. Those, um, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of what we already knew about him. He's, he's really good when he's got a lot of space to work with. When he has space, he always makes the first guy miss. Pretty much always. Um, but that's the problem. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, run it between the tackles a lot. There's, there's not always a ton of space there. But, man, some of those cuts, Lee, are sick that he made. Are just, are kind, are disgusting. And, um, <laughs> but that, like, that, that's why you gotta, that's why you have to make a concerted effort to get him the ball in space. Cause, you know, I, I don't, I doubt that there's gonna be that, that big a holes open in the middle of the defense going forward this season. Nebraska's, their, their front is just really bad. Um, and I, obviously that, that played a big part in it. But, I mean, it was good to see. OU played really bad front sevens the first two weeks and weren't able to open up holes like that. So, um, that was good to see, but yeah, I mean, you you can see the value of Eric Gray when he has the ball in space, and I just make more of an effort to get him the ball in space. I highly doubt that there's going to be that much space in the middle going forward. You know, I can't speak with any sort of intelligence on you know how much of a factor it was to have Wanya Morris available to play. I know I I don't think he started, so I think I was wrong about that. Right? Wasn't it Guyton that started? At, yeah, Guyton started at right tackle uh, first two drives, and then one and gave gave away to Wanya, but Guyton still got plenty of run. So I, you know, I have no idea how much that factored into OU's, you know, offensive line. I'm, I'm assuming that's they, they had to have played the best game of the first three games. I mean, they they ran for over 300 yards, and they yeah. hadn't really ran the ball that well. Even though honestly, OU's rushing stats the first two games weren't as bad as you would have thought. They were actually running for you know 180 yards a game. I because they but, they've been explosive it, when they've broken yeah. off runs. They've been explosive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just it was a clinic, man. And I mean, they ran the ball really well. Oh, almost six yards per carry as a team. Gabriel threw the ball well. It was just, it was a really, really, really good game. I mean, there's, like I said, there's not, not many complaints, not much to complain about. Let's switch over to the defense because outside of the first series, man, the, the defense through my camera lens looked really fun to watch. And it was, it was nice to see certain guys get involved that haven't gotten involved really that much so far. It's early in the year. But for instance, like Jonah Laulu, him getting a sack early on in the game was cool to see. Uh, it was good to see. Uh, I mean, Jalen Redmond just kind of threw around Casey Thompson, you know, in the first half as well. Uh, Deshaun White was kind of flying around. I know he was knocked out. You know, he he left the game and got charged for targeting. Uh, but uh, it seemed like everybody in the front, Grant, with uh, weirdly with the exception of I don't remember ever seeing Reggie Grimes, who was you know, he's flashed the first couple of games. Uh, but Ethan Downs was seemingly everywhere, even though his stats don't kind of look at he had a couple TFLs. But, uh, I mean, the entire defense, I'm not sure how much run the secondary got because it seemed like they were, I mean, they were obviously covering very well <laughs> after that first, that first series. But uh, that's, again, haven't watched it back. So that's, those are kind of my general thoughts on the defense right away, Grant. You, you've seen more of it, obviously, TV copy. What are your takeaways from the defense? I mean, really, just, I mean, the, the performance so far through the, th- the, the first three weeks, it's just really affirming. And it's really, it's, you know, it, it gives you a lot, of, a lot of faith in the process, right? And, and you know, we, we talked going into this year that we really felt like OU had a lot of really good players on their team and that this coaching staff could, could, could potentially get them to the point where, you know, they're, they're cohesive enough to be a really good team together. That's kind of what this looks like right now. OU's got a lot of good players on their defense. That's, that's, that's kind of, that's the main story right now. I don't know if they have like in the front seven or, you know, the front four, the defensive line. I don't know if they have any like 
big time, like first or second round NFL draft pick. They got a lot of really good college players up there, though, who are phys- who are more physically developed, who are more uh, experienced, and they're just flying around. Man, they got a lot of depth. They got a lot of depth, and I think they're showing it. And I mean, just some of the the leap that some of those guys ha- have made, who were here last year and then you know to this year. I I, I can't say enough about Billy Bowman. I, he is he's so fun to watch. He is. He's one of my favorite OU players I've seen in, in in a while, in a long time, and I'm I'm like we Danny Stutzman was pretty quiet in this game, and it didn't matter. They were still dominant on defense. It's like it's it's starting to look really good. Like I I, I don't want to get too excited. I want to pump the brakes a little bit because you never know when things could go sideways. But man, their defense is good, and they got a lot of good players that they can kind of rotate in and out there, and they're all playing well. They understand what they're doing. They're all athletic. Man, I we haven't even get to we haven't even gotten to Jaron Canick, who looked like a a freak out there. Uh, it's it's exciting. It's really exciting right now. Yeah. Um, so the the first series obviously was bad, and I bring it up because I know we're like, yeah, there's no reason to really talk about it, and there isn't. I mean, because they played so well after that. By the way, I, I did do some some stats, some some number crunching. So. After that first touchdown drive where Nebraska went down, you, you said, I think you described it as it's like, you know, a hot knife through butter or something like that. Uh, the next 12 series for Oklahoma's defense, the next 12 series didn't allow anything. A bunch of punts, got some takeaways, had some fourth down stops, no points allowed the next 12 series. They gave up 188 total yards in those 12 series, uh, 57 plays. Grant, only 3.2 yards per play the next 57 plays of the game after that that opening touchdown drive. Uh, and then, obviously, that garbage time touchdown against backups and stuff, which is annoying. It's always annoying, but, you know, it's not quite as annoying, at least to me, as, as it would have been prior because they played so well, and, you know, those other 12 drives. And it was, I mean, backups have been playing since the middle of the third quarter for both teams. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I, I, what, what was I getting at? Oh. Uh, the the uh, the first series. Brent Venables describing it. Uh, Dean asked him what adjustments were made after that, and the way Brent, uh, the way Coach Venables, I, I, it's weird for me calling. I don't I don't call him. I don't really know. I don't, it's weird for me calling him Brent. I always call coaches Coach Coach Venables Coach Coach Riley. That's just kind of the way I am. Doesn't matter. Uh, he said, you know what? You know, we made a slight secondary adjustment after that. Uh, you know, a little bit of alignment up front. Venables says that we actually. We, we worked Nebraska's alignment all week. The guys on the field just weren't really recognizing it. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, during it, I kind of thought about calling a timeout. And, but he's like, eh, you know, never mind, whatever. But, like, it was kind of like it, I took it as how much, uh, well, I don't know if he was going with this, but what was the old bit with Mike Stoops always calling timeouts on defense for OU? You know, like another well, yeah, waste I mean, of timeout just, on defense. Never a, never a situation where they didn't love a defensive timeout. And I'm not sure if, if Venables was really around much when they were. I can't remember if they were calling a lot of timeouts on defense when Venables was there with Stoops. I can't or whenever he was by himself. But I bring it up though because he said that like they were kind of ready for it, like they knew it was coming. They just kind of didn't figure it out in that first series. But the way in which they obviously adjusted and made Nebraska's offense look bad the next 12 series for the most part affirms that Brent Venables wasn't just blowing smoke about what he said about the first drive. Yeah, they were ready, and they knew how to adjust, and they did immediately. And that's awesome. That's refreshing. I love to see that because that's a good offense, and OU was downright ferocious uh, for most of the game after that. Did you notice that they came out in a totally different 
like alignment the first series of the game they were, they were playing the they were playing the Iowa State umbrella coverage Oh no I didn't I couldn't tell They were in a three they were in dime they were in 3-2-6 I saw Damon Harmon still playing a lot of snaps was he yeah, Demon Harmon playing a lot start, of snaps. He, the rest he started of the, the game. Yeah, he, he's played. He probably played the most. Him and Broyles definitely played the most safety snaps. Interesting. And it's almost. I mean, Key Lawrence was back, but I mean, Key Lawrence was a, like a backup. I mean, he was he was the one quote unquote starter still in the game, kind of late with all the backup players, and he got the late interception. You know, I think he should have had another one. Did he drop one or maybe no? He should have had a fumble recovery. Right? Was that him that was trying to scoop up a fumble that Nebraska yeah, ended he, up recovering? I think in like the third quarter. Yeah, so what happened on that one, remember, he he stripped the guy after he got the first down, and then the ball went backwards after he stripped it when he tried to pick it up, and it actually it took them past or behind the first down marker, so they had to punt after that anyway. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, you mentioned Jaron Kanick, and so, you know, Deshaun White gets ejected because of targeting, which is a good call. That was definitely targeting. And, and White seemed, from my vantage point, granted, to have been playing pretty well up to that point kind of flying around he looked he was flying around and so this is this is what i like they've they've clearly identified deshaun white as a guy who is an effective blitzer and he is i mean he's he's, he's been really good at it and so i gosh i mean i love like these guys get being put in roles where like they're being put in positions to succeed based on the skill sets that they have is just Venables has been harping on that ever since january since it's December. Great. i mean that's it's just great i i had i'm sorry i had no idea that deshaun white was a good blitzer how, how would we have known? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, I mean, he, he leaves the game late second quarter, and my immediate thought was, all right, well, we're going we're gonna to see a lot of Jaron Canick today, probably. And there he comes in, and look at the stat sheet when the game's over with, leads the team in tackles. Ten tackles, gets a takeaway, all by himself, right? Because he forced that fumble and also recovered that fumble. It was such a great play. On a, Just yeah. a football play, man. Football guy. <laughs> football guy. And Brent Venables had a lot of positive things to say about him. Let's see if I can pull up my notes and if I can give the kind of the cliff notes of what he said about Jaron Kanick. He said, he said, yeah, he's he's just super proud of him. I guess OU gives out the uh, Kanick wins the Swift Sooner Award. It goes to the guy who gets the first turnover of each game, I suppose. Or I So he gets that. Uh, and so, But what was interesting, Venables is like, God, listen, he's just now learning how to play linebacker. I mean, he has no idea what he's doing out there. <laughs> he's going a million miles an hour but but he did great you know that he said the tape's gonna be really good for him a lot of snaps for him to look at uh, he's an easy guy to coach he said he's demanding he, he takes it very seriously he's hard on himself uh, Venable says he wasn't terrible today but he did make some mistakes uh, and, and he'd be the first to tell you about that and so it and we talked to him a little bit after the game Dean did and he he's a freshman but I mean he's calm cool said all the right stuff confident uh, and it's you know, he's a player that I know we were pretty excited about whenever, you know, he was going to go to Clemson and he wanted to play for Venables. Now he's at OU. He's kind of the one, you know, freshman on the defense aside. I guess you can th throw R. Mason Thomas in there, who, by the way, didn't suit yesterday. He's injured. Uh, but, like, he's the one freshman we were kind of like, yeah, I, I'd like to see. Like, he could play this year. And here we are, you know, three games in, and you know, he leads the team in tackles in Nebraska. <laughs> and I, I think the, the biggest thing that stood out to me, Lee, is that he's just – he is physically ready to play. He is he is physically he looks physically imposing on TV. His explosion, the way that he closed on the quarterback on one of his inside blitzes, and he missed the tackle, but the way that he just he, he just kind a, of closed in. He missed a couple of sacks, him. didn't he? What's he that? Missed a couple of sacks. Missed a he couple, missed a couple of, of, of sacks, didn't he? Yep, yep, that's probably what what Venables is talking about. He's not he's there there's some plays he's not finishing. 
But I mean, just his the the guy's speed and explosion absolutely jumps out like jumps out at you. Like there's there's no doubt in my mind that physically he's probably exactly what Venables and and Ted Roof want like at the cheetah position. Um, it just I mean it just so happens that this is kind of a nice little luxury that OU has because Deshaun White was playing really well before he got ejected, and so I you know man they got they may have you know White Canick and Harrington dudes in there who could they can bring in an any type of situation a bunch of different situations those guys it can probably give you some good minutes or some good plays yeah and the linebacker position is a position that Venables has told us is is thin and you get a player like Jaron Canick who can start playing a bunch of snaps and start getting more comfortable then that position's not as thin as it was especially again with uh, TD Roof not being available this season you know that that was a big hit I mean in an already thin position and if Canick can kind of get comfortable not saying that all of a sudden he's going to be you know playing 60 snaps a game but who knows as long as the season goes on um i don't know so that was very encouraging how about this defensive stack grant it was let's see let me find let me find it okay so oklahoma has won 80 straight games when the sooners have allowed 23 or fewer points the last time ou allowed 23 or fewer and lost can you guess um honestly no there's a there's a reason I'm asking if you can guess, uh, because it's a bit of a hint. But I, yeah, it's it's dumb. Uh, it, we the last oh, time the this happened, championship game against Florida. Wait, no, no that's twenty four no. to fourteen. No, it was. Oh, good call. Yeah, uh, it was uh, the last time OU played in Nebraska, two thousand nine. <laughs> Ten to three. Ten to three. Isn't that crazy. And we were talking. I went about back that and looked at the box week. score for that game. It's obscene. OU outgained them by like three hundred yards. It was uh, Nebraska, like, averaged under, like, two yards a play. Oh, you turned it over five times. Nebraska didn't turn it over. There you go. All right, over to the West of Everest Facebook page. I finally remembered to put a prompt on the West of Everest Facebook page for three-word reviews. Harry says, got her done. Later, the cable guy. Uh, Harry was on on both my flights, Grant, and uh, he's at the game. So, you know, Harry, he's a big Sooner guy and got to talk to him a little bit this week. Michael says all three phases. That's a good one. Uh, I didn't mention, uh, kind of briefly mention Marvin Mims and his special teams. Marvin Mims is one of the best punt returners in college football right now. He's in the top 10 in average yards per punt return. How about that? Yeah, that's good awesome. That's like, that's one of those situations that you want, you want that to like show up in big games when you're playing really good teams. That's where you want to get that advantage. And so it's always, and yeah, I mean, like throw that in there is just like another, another example of just like a really just kind of, um, you know, all all courses type victory, right? Where they every single uh, every single team contributed to the win, something like that. I don't know. I'm trying to punt yeah, returns are, are not that fun for me, but sometimes they are in big games. Jay says simply, "It feels good." Sure does. Shelley says, "Keep it up." Uh, Shane goes with tackles for loss. You know, I, I don't know Shane. I mean, they only got nine. You know, they didn't get double digits this time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay seeing as that uh they had they had eight at halftime. Something tells me uh if they wanted to, it probably could have been a little bit more. <laughs> Let me check the old that you know what, Grant? Through three weeks of the college football season, the Oklahoma Sooners lead the nation in TFLs. I guess I they led the nation last week, right? Weren't they tied That's gonna or something, keep going. Though? Yes. That's gonna keep going. They're gonna they're they're going to be near the top the entire season of that. Uh, Oklahoma State, number two, with 30. Look at the Cowboys. 
Big 12's back, baby. How about sacks? Let me see. Where are they, where are they in sacks? Number four in the nation in sacks with 13. Man, USC has 14. I mean, that USC defense, I statistically, like, it's not good right now, yet the Havoc stats are insane for USC. Sacks, TFLs, turnovers. I mean, it's, it's exactly what we all kind of wanted from the Alex Grinch defense. We just didn't get it consistently. Maybe, I know I'm kind of going off away from Oklahoma real quick, but... Who cares? Is OU's defense that- is way better. It's way better than USC's. <laughs> Who cares? Who ca- it it's like that, that- with all the same players. With all the same players. that I'll, I don't care. Uh, OU's defense is way better now. It's just, it's, it's just frustrating. I mean, it would been nice to have... What I was getting at is possibly is, is Speed D only doable in the Pac-12? You know, because we've got Washington State. You know, those numbers are pretty good. Maybe it's a Pac-12 thing for Speed D. I don't know. We'll see as the season progresses. More three-word reviews. Micah says, player-coach chemistry. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, this is a good one from Trey. He says, big red beating. <laughs> Justin says, shut the door. Nathan, in-game adjustments. And we talked about the, the defense. I mean, simply like that. Boom. Uh, Philip says, now that's defense. I like that one. And uh, this is uh, David. This is, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to speak intelligently about this. Grant, you might be a little bit better than me than, at this one. But David says, payback for 96. Was that, I guess, maybe 96 that Nebraska just beat the doors off OU? It, it yeah, I think that's like the, it's where they lost like 79 to something. I don't know. That's, that's, that's before my time. I think that might have been Scott Frost at quarterback, too. Let me double check. 73 to 21 Whew. in Norman. <laughs> oh, man. That is, uh, that's, that's pretty awful. All right, those are all from the West of Everest Facebook page. Thanks, guys, for leaving those on the West of Everest Facebook page. Over to my Twitter account, at Lee Benson News 9. Plenty over there. Brett says defense made adjustments. Kevin says coaching continuous improvement. That's good. Sooner Keith says just getting started. Hopefully that's the case. I mean, we're a quarter of the season through the regular uh, quarter of the year. What am I saying? A quarter through the regular season. We're trying to say a quarter of the way through the regular season. Yes. Thank you. Bobby says team keeps improving. Uh, This is a good one from Josh. Good to see you back in the three word reviews. Josh, he says physical punishing suffocating. Kind of referencing Brent Venables' introductory press conference when he was talking about what kind of defense he wanted Oklahoma to have. I like that. What else we got? Uh, you know, and then Billy comes in here with, you know, it's, it's a good game, but you know what? Let's keep things in perspective. Billy says, got to get better. It's true. They do. They, they do got to get Brent, better. They shouldn't Brent have given Venables up any points. the first person to tell you that. What'd you say? I said they shouldn't have given up any points. And actually, you know, they do. There, there's there, there's some stuff they need to clean up. Nebraska did have some chunk yardage up the middle of the defense. And, uh, and, and like, I'm, I'm sure Venables and everyone, they know that. And I'm sure that's something that they can work on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if, I had to, if I had to pick one thing to work on, that'd be it, right, on defense, is that they gave up a little too much, a little too much chunk yardage on the ground at times. Yeah, I agree with that. Reformed Slice says, complete team now. Certainly feels like it through three games. Michael says, truly dominant football. That's a good one. Miss Barry. This is a good alliteration three-word review. I like this one a lot. Swarming Sooners defense. Very good. Uh, Ghost of Bud Wilkinson. 
I, you know what? He's going to use the uh, greater than sign as one of his words for a three-word review. And he goes, BV is greater than LR. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we're hoping that's true. But, I mean, Lincoln Riley is holding up his end of the bargain so far for USC. I mean, they, they're doing exactly what they need to be doing. Andrew says, physical plays everywhere. Kind of skimming through all these. Roby Tolan says, not done yet. Farmer Yugen says, Sooners are real. You know, I, this is not really anything to do with uh, that three-word review, but I just kind of thought of it, just a, a talking point. And it doesn't matter right now, just to see what you think. Do you think OU jumps into the top five in the AP poll? Do they think they, they hop Clemson maybe? Because I think Clemson's at they five might. right now. I mean, it doesn't, yes. it doesn't matter, but. Yeah. I mean, I think so, probably. No, it doesn't matter, but I, I think, yeah, it's possible. Um, Michigan also been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty impressive as well. So. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah, Michigan. Michigan been been pretty, you know, just as impressive as OU has been. So that'll be interesting to see. But no, I mean, it's still, geez, I mean, we're still just in week three. Yeah, yeah. I just throwing it out there. Uh, I like this one from Nick. <laughs> Nick says, "Oh my God." <laughs> uh, a lot of good three word reviews, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Mark is, uh, you know, throwing some shade over at the West Coast. Says, "Glad Lincoln left." Me too. Sharky's machine. Me too. You know, here's the thing. I mean, there's no way to ever prove this. It's just, it's all opinionated. But I, I think a Lincoln-Riley team lets that Nebraska club hang around, Grant. You know, they, they, they score more points probably. They hang around. OU still probably wins the game, but, uh, and they score a lot of points too. They yeah, probably Lincoln, score more than 49. Lincoln-Riley's offense would, abs- would, would toy with that defense yeah. consistently and constantly. But I'm not confident that Alex Grinch's defense holds holds that team to 14. No, I'm not either. But I mean, that's it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just, I just uh, want it's Caleb a fun Williams. Podcast topic. That's all. I, I just. I just. He's I would. So I would just really prefer to have Caleb Williams. He's just. So, he's so good. I watched a lot of that USC Fresno game last night, and uh, that offense looks so darn, so good, <laughs> so so good. Um, all right. Um, can't get to all these guys. But uh, I really appreciate. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, Krampus Jones says Nebraska is bad. They are, and you know what? Like, and you know that's a good transition to what I. You know, I won't go too far in this, but Nebraska is bad, and I'm happy that that game went the way that it should have gone. Like Oklahoma came in as a much better team. Uh, you know, Nebraska had already lost a couple of games. I mean, that's just the way it is. And you know, I didn't say this on the podcast, but I said this on. Uh, my weekly radio hit on the Blitz 1170 AM in Tulsa every Thursday. And I, I said, you know, there's a, there's a world in which firing Scott Frost actually makes Nebraska worse the rest of the season. And I, I think that might happen. I, I, that's a bad football team. I looked at their schedule. Nebraska will be lucky to go four and eight this year. Uh, three and nine is probably a lot more likely. And two and ten is definitely a possibility if you look at their schedule. That's a bad football team, uh, but as, unless, and, and you were making this point off the air before we uh, you know, heated up the mics, unless they totally go into a tailspin, that offense should score some points on people. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, they're, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's, they, there's so much that can happen. I think they have a bye week, too, and so, you, I mean, a lot can be, you know, can go right on a bye week, so, I, you know, whatever, I don't care. I don't really care about Nebraska moving forward this year. I'm sure they'll be... They'll be really interesting whenever they hire a new coach at the end of the year. I, you know, I'm, 
I know the they they yeah no no I'm not asking so you to I talk just, in depth I just about don't the I just I don't care like I'm more like I'm more like I I'm after watching after rewatching the game I'm fairly confident that Kent State is better than Nebraska. <laughs> I think Kent State put up like 60 on a FCS team or something last they night. They did. So. They played Georgia next week. That'll be interesting to see. Georgia's still only given up 10 points this year total. Yeah. I mean, if they if they score on Georgia, if Colin Schley, if Colin Schley makes the same plays against Georgia, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be curious to see that. Yeah, Spencer Rattler didn't have very much fun yesterday. Uh, you don't boy. say. I'm just I didn't see any of it. Just looking at the scoreboard. Um, okay, so <laughs> looking at some of these other. Oh, here we go. This is a good one by uh, Dan. Dan says cream of corn huskers. That's good. Very good. Yeah, that is good. A uh, lot of three word reviews, guys. Appreciate it. I'm sorry I didn't get it all get to all of them, but uh, I'm in a bit of a time crunch because it's a Sunday and I got back from the flight. and I still got to work today and it's a whole thing. So uh, I appreciate all of the feedback and uh, good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I just I mean, again, real quick, though, I mean, I'm just happy that game went the way that it should have gone. I mean, last season, Grant, Tulane, uh, Tulane was a bad football team. Oklahoma let them hang around. Uh, Nebraska, they weren't a bad football team last year, but they finished what five and seven. Uh, I mean, they let Nebraska. They hang were around three and almost. nine last year. They were three and nine. I thought they were five and seven. They were three and nine, but eight of their nine losses came by single digits. The only double digit loss was to Ohio State, which they they were down like three points that entire. Oh game. my gosh, they were three and nine. Okay, I thought they were. I thought they were five and seven. That's okay. So. Okay, I mean West Virginia. You know, they, oh, you beat West Virginia by a field goal. West Virginia was six and seven last year. So, I mean, point being is, it's nice to see Oklahoma do what they're supposed to do against a bad football team, and being on the road against a traditional rival is kind of just icing on the cake. I think. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, just you know, moving forward, got interesting next week. I uh, Kansas State, everyone kind of assumed this is kind of the, the real big first test coming in next week. But, of course, Kansas State loses it home to Tulane, our old friends. Um, and I don't really know what to make of that. You go look at the box scores, and I, I kind of, you know, you could sort of read between the lines in their first two games, too. Their offense sucks right now. Like, to the play, it's bad. It's really bad. Hmm. And so, like, you got, I mean, now you got K-State's offense coming in, which has been putridly terrible. Um, to but know, has a had a lot of success. Norman, but I was sorry to cut you off. But I was gonna say it's a it's an offense though that has had some success against the Speed D, the Alex Grinch defense. Yeah, I don't. But that I don't know if that matters. No, but it's it'll be a good test to see. Like, I, it's a it's, I, it's going like, to be a good test because they are playing the best player that they've played against so far this season in Deuce Vaughn. That is that is the. That's the well, biggest yes, test of like, the game. Uh, but, you need but, but to go look at, at their offensive numbers. They're not moving the ball. Sure. What I'm getting at, though, is that their offense hasn't been that great anyways, but it has looked really good against Oklahoma the last few years. And even when Mike Stoops was here at the end, remember Mike Stoops had a pretty darn good game against K-State before he got fired? <laughs> like, no, they, that was definitely Ruffin down. McNeil. I think, I think K-State was... No, it wasn't it really. It was the second okay. half of the season. That was their only good Maybe defensive performance. That was their only, like, that and the TCU game kind of were the only, like, quote-unquote good eyes. They were good in the Big 12 championship game, but it doesn't matter. Let's see. What about uh, what about 2016, Mike Stoops against Kansas State? How did that game go? Let's see. Uh, OU won 38-17. So, wasn't close. 
But then all I mean, of a yeah, sudden, it's, Chris Kleiman yeah. This is going to be more the K-State game. K-State's defense has been good, though. So, I mean, that's a lot of the way. That's what this game is going to be like. How can... Can the OU can the OU offense maintain its momentum? You know, building off from yesterday, going against just a, a night and day much better defensive line, defensive front. Uh, we'll see, but it's it's going to be K State's really going to struggle to move the ball if uh, against OU's defense. If the first three weeks are any indication. Real quick, I'll defend uh, I'll defend Alex Grinch. I I totally forgot about 2017, uh, OU's great season in Manhattan. I was at that game. Uh, that was a close game. K State put up 35. On a Mike Stoops defense. So, all right. False alarm. Uh, okay. I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm good to go. You, uh, you good, you good to go. I, I think I'm, I'm cashed. I'm, I'm, you know, we, we, we gave him a good 50 minutes. That's pretty good. I was thinking maybe only a half an hour. So I'm glad we got this in. Wasn't sure if we were able to get a, get a, get a podcast in. You were ready to do a solo pod. You're going to oh, do your ready. solo pod day. I had, yeah. I had notes. I was, I was literally, I was going to go drive by drive. Just like with my notes on the, <laughs> I like it. And then monologue. I like it. Good. There's still time for that. We'll see. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll be back later this week to talk about OUK State and anything else going on in the world of college football. OU 3-0 and and looking really, really good. What, uh, what's to come for this team? I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very satisfied, and I know a lot of you are as well. So until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is Wes. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.